0: Hello and welcome to the AdNoc podcast, the podcast for the Adelaide.net user group. I'm your host, David Gardner. This is the recording from our July 2021 meeting, Funky Azure Functions, with David Gardner. And now over to the presentation. Okay. Um, All right, welcome. My name is David Gardner. I help organize the .net user group. Um, We meet second Wednesday of the month. As a rule, and this month continues that tradition. Um, thanks for registering on the meetup group if you did. Um, we're also on Facebook and Twitter, um, and appreciate the group being promoted around the place and letting people know about it. Um, so next month uh, we've got Simon Wait joining us. He uh, works for Microsoft uh, in the Azure space. Um, I've had some dealings with Simon uh, with the uh, new Breakpoint um, show that he's been producing as well. Um, and so he's going to join us almost certainly remotely from Sydney. Um, but uh, looking forward to him uh, presenting to us. And then in September, uh, we've got the rescheduled talk from Paul Usher. Um, so uh, Blazer, uh, WebAssembly, um, something else I think he was going to talk about too. Um, Blazer and... Um Xamarin, I think, was also going to be in there as well. Uh, and I think he is hoping that he's actually going to try and get down here if he can. So I guess we'll wait to see what is possible, but that's certainly his intention, um, particularly because he was unwell and couldn't present last month. Okay, so what's news? Uh, so we've had uh, a new version of VS Code come out, uh, some nice new features there. Anyone seen the new pop-up? Like, do you trust this folder? And yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. Has anyone said no, I don't? Um, Anyway, I think they're they're tweaking that, um, just trying to to get the settings right. My understanding is the reason they've they've introduced that is because sometimes there is is code that will run when you open a a directory with stuff in it. So um, I guess they're trying to get that balance right between are you you happy for stuff to run automatically in the background here or not? and a whole bunch of other nice improvements as well. Um, so since we, we last met, um, I didn't change the date on that, um, a couple of months ago. And so there's been a new uh, minor version of Visual Studio 2019 come out. So it's uh, 16.10 now is out. Um, and some some nice new features in that release. Um, what was just thinking, when I was looking at them, I thought, oh, I almost uh, need to do a bit of a, a a dive through all those features as a separate uh, talk. So I know last year I did one as a, a lunchtime thing, so maybe we might do that again um, in a few weeks time. Uh, and um, we've got Visual Studio uh, 2022 out. Anybody installed 2022 yet? Yeah, a couple. Uh, so the big news there is it's actually 64-bit process now. So if you have a look at DevN in your task manager, It's not 32-bit anymore, it's 64-bit, so um, if you've got massive solutions with hundreds of projects in it, uh, my sympathies to you, first of all, Um, but you might actually be able to open Visual Studio now um, and deal with that. But it also seems pretty fast, even for working with smaller projects, so that's pretty nice. It supports .NET 6 SDK. It's got some nice IntelliCode improvements. Anyone use the the GitHub... um, What's it called, the, um, the AI thing? Yeah, co-pilot. copilot, yeah, yeah. Anyone use the Copilot trial yet where you type three letters and it writes your whole program for you? <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, I think it's a similar sort of thing um, where it's sort of anticipating what you're, you're going to type and I guess with, with Copilot it's drawing on that... all the open source projects to try and anticipate what you're trying to write. But, um, yeah, it's interesting when it gets it right, you go, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, tab and move on. There's also another preview for 2019. Um, Probably less features going to be in that. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be the last of the 16 releases. Um, I guess 2022, expect assuming that's going to come out probably November timeframe along with .NET 6. Um, But uh, yeah, so still some some minor enhancements there as well. And some version changes for .NET .NET Core. Uh, So we're up to Preview 5 for .NET 6 um, and some minor updates for .NET 5 and .NET Core 3.1. No changes for .NET Core 2.1. And that actually goes out of support in August so next month um, will probably be the last month for updates for .NET core 2.1 so keep that in mind uh, just a reminder about the 30 days to learn so if you uh, want to get 50% off uh, a Microsoft exam uh, basically you've got 30 days to work through one of these um, learning paths and at the end of that you'll, you'll get a um, a discount token if you want to take one of the exams so if you've never done one of those before or you're interested in taking an exam then working through that free content might be a nice way to, to save a bit of money and get a, a certification out of that and we don't just have to rely on a, a lovely photo we, we've actually got Simon in the person here and welcome to Adelaide um, yeah so it's good to have you here. We don't have to worry about whether you can come over the border or not anymore. So, and it's importantly, I've brought a new jacket, so I'm not wearing the same ones as you. <laughs> <laughs> we you. Moving on to certain aspects. Oh, so actually, I woke up this morning and thought about it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so very weird. Just forget about it. wearing. Yeah, but we do thank Encode Talent for supporting the group. Um, they've uh, brought along the... the uh, the nourishment that we can uh, enjoy after the meeting tonight. Um, And we also uh, do encourage you if you're looking for new staff or if you're looking for a new start um, somewhere else, have a chat to Simon um, later on. Um, Heaps good dev slack. Um, So if you wanna chat with other Adelaide or South Australian based developers, and not just .NET ones, but any any kind of uh, software developer, This is the place to hang out with. It's where all the cool kids are and I'm there as well. Um, So, yeah, no, it's a really positive, helpful place. Um, All different uh, user groups are getting involved there and other sort of um, interesting things like um, people who want to go ride bikes on a Sunday morning, um, social groups as well. So, yeah, donuts. There's a bit of a discussion group about donuts. So if you do donuts, it could also be worth your while. Uh, just a plug for our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got more videos going up uh, as we're able to uh, process them. Um, Stephen's been having some hardware problems, but uh, <laughs> we're getting there. So um, do uh, subscribe if you can. Just help us get over that magic 100 subscribers number and then we can customize our URL, I think. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mentioned Simon before, uh, Simon Waite. That's him on the left in that little screenshot there. Um, so yeah, there's a, a weekly um, production that comes out and every and again, there's a community episode that they'll get members of the developer community around Australia involved. And so yeah, yours truly is screenshotted down there as well. Um, so yeah, um, and we've had other people from the group uh, involved in that previously too. We 've got some swag giveaways so I don't know if you saw the box on the table over there, but O'Reilly sent me that last week, and I had to hold it away from my family. They were very keen to find out what was inside um, so there's a few little um, giveaways there, so make sure you take some of those uh, before you leave tonight because then I've got less to take home with me so uh, but yeah, we appreciate O'Reilly supporting the group in that way and Yes, if you want to speak, um, I'd love to have a chat with you. Uh, you might see the presentation and see, oh, I could do better than that. Um, Well, you probably can, and I'd love to give you that opportunity, so have a chat with me afterwards as well. Or you might know someone else you want to dob them in. I'm always happy to have names pass my way. Okay. That's the end of that section. All right. Now, it's never a good idea to, to reinstall software An hour before your presentation but um, who would do that? Uh, But I was was all set to go on this laptop and plugged it in and it didn't want to work with a projector and um, I was here a bit early so okay I've got time and so quick reinstall get everything going I think it's going to work Um, there might be some surprises along the way we'll find out and we'll be good. Okay uh, yeah well uh, welcome again and just for the recording again, my name's David Gardner. I'm a .NET developer, help run the user group, and uh, just lately I've been doing a bit of work with Azure Functions, and so I thought uh, it would, might be interesting to do a bit of a talk about what's new in Azure Functions. We've had uh, presentations before. We had uh, Sam Fernando uh, present to the group uh, probably about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, you might remember that talk. I think that was the one where he was mobbed by fans at the front all, all wanting selfies. So. Uh, um, if you're at that that talk, um, then hopefully this adds and builds onto that. If you weren't, we'll, we'll give a bit of a quick recap um, so that you sort of understand where we're coming from. So first of all, um, sorry, for a minute, let me. All good. Um, Why why do we care about Azure Functions in the first place? What's what's the use of them? Um, so Azure Functions are, I guess, the Azure, Microsoft Azure's serverless offering. And so they're they're really good at running some kind of custom logic uh, in response to some kind of event. And that could be a HTTP uh, request that's sent to it, or it could be something else, like um, you've written a file to blob storage, or you've made a change in your Cosmos DB database. Um, you've sent a message uh, into a... Uh, Azure service bus um, message queue uh, or you've, you've written something to a, um, a storage queue. So, And there's other things as well that can be a trigger that can, an Azure function can listen to and respond to. The nice thing about an Azure function is that we can scale it to meet demand. So um, unlike having to spin up another server, uh, if Azure realizes that your function is getting a lot of use, it'll spin up more instances than you can set a maximum of that and that's all behind the scenes you don't need to worry about that. Um, It actually supports multiple languages so I'm going to be talking about .NET tonight obviously but uh, it also supports Java, uh, TypeScript and JavaScript running on Node, uh, Python, PowerShell I think that's all, we'll we'll find out a bit later if I've missed one there. Um, So there's uh, sort of multiple language support as well and there's also some different pricing and feature plans. uh, the, the cheapest option is what I'm using for the demo tonight, but you might need some of the features that come with some of the more expensive plans, um, or you might not, and you can sell a cheaper one. just depends what your requirements are. Uh, I'm not going to drill into those differences tonight. Uh, I'm more interested in sort of wh- what uh, what enhancements have, have come along uh, in the last year or so. So just a quick refresh. So Azure Functions with .NET 3.1, which have sort of been out for probably... Uh, a year or two now I think um, maybe even a bit longer um, they run within an Azure function host so we've got this process and inside that process it's going to spin up our class library and run our custom logic so an event uh, triggers the Azure function and it calls into our code and does whatever we want it to do and then the response goes back uh, or wherever it needs to go to so that seems pretty simple and it, and it is Um, So this is a quick demo, we're going to create an Azure Function with .NET 3.1 and to that I'm just going to go to the portal. So this is the Azure portal and I'm going to go create and I'm just going to type in func and the function app, hit create. And so I've got my subscription. I've got my resource group already set up. Uh, I need to give it a name, and that needs to be uh, globally unique. And that one is okay. I then get a choice: do I want to uh, run in a container or not? Well, I don't for this demo. Then I choose my runtime stack. So there's some of the other options I could choose. I'm going to choose .NET and version 3.1. And in the region I want it to run in, I'll choose Australia Southeast, East, which I think is in Melbourne. Uh, then I can choose the storage account and the general rule is each function host, you have a separate storage account for that. Uh, I can choose to run on Linux or Windows. There are some differences in the capabilities of those two platforms for Azure Functions. Uh, I'll stick with Windows for now and I can choose the plan type. So. Um, There's three different plans there. I'll stick with the consumption one, which is the cheapest one. I can then choose do I want um, app insights um, so that I can monitor my function and if there's any errors, figure out what's going on or track the performance uh, and then tags and then create. Uh, And I could go through that process. So I can do all that from within the portal. Uh, The other thing I can do is in Visual Studio, I can create a new function app. So here's 2022, if you haven't seen it before. And actually, I'll just approve it is I'll all... so, and... I will so devin haven't got my no I didn't plan to do this uh, let's select the uh, platform. And oh, yeah, 64-bit. Okay. So Visual Studio running is a 64-bit process. So um, I don't know. What, what is the address space of a 64-bit application? Really big, I think. Uh, <laughs> I honestly don't know, but it's like massive compared to a 32-bit, which is about 3 gig, 3.5 gig, and it would start to fall over. Um, you can never quite get to the 4 gig Uh, Okay, so I go file, new project, and give it a second to think about it. And hopefully, if I type in, I've got an Azure Functions project type here. Give it a name. Uh, That's probably not where I want it. Then I get an extra window here where I can choose. Uh, I want a .NET Core 3. And I can actually then choose what kind of trigger I want to add as my first um, function in my Azure Function application. So you'll see there's a whole lot of different ones there. Uh, the HTTP one is one we're going to have a look at tonight. But there's Blob Storage, Service Bus, um, SendGrid, Kafka, RabbitMQ, all kinds of stuff there. Um, I can hit... Trigger and we can also choose what kind of authentication. So, is this a public API that we're happy for anyone in the world to call, or do we want to have some control over who's allowed to call it? Um, I could just say anonymous, hit create, and it should create the project. Yeah, and yeah, that's going to work. That's good. I did do this this afternoon and that actually hung, so I'm, I'm pretty pleased that that worked. Um, and so there we've got our uh, .NET 3.1 Azure function. Uh, this is just a HTTP trigger. It's going to handle a GET or a POST and it's just going to do some output. So I could even run that by pressing F5. I'm just going to run it locally. I'm not, I'm not going to deploy this to Azure. And that's just launched um, the local emulator and I think I've got something else running. Let me just jump down to my terminal. Oh yeah, obviously can't have two things running on the same port. There we go, that's better. Uh, So that function is starting. And so it's kinda hard to read that green but I'm just gonna select that, go back to my browser. And just query that and we've just got some text and that's actually the text that we would have seen in the code and actually I think it's telling me if I go back here and pass in a parameter in the query string uh, then it's going to say hello David and I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, Sorry if your name is not David but I'm sure it would say hello to you as well if I typed your name in but I haven't got time to do that. Okay, so that's a really simple... um, .NET 3.1 Azure Function. Um, so we can do it in Visual Studio. We could also do it in VS Code. We can also do it from the command line. So the, um, there's the Azure Functions core tools, um, which I've got installed uh, as well, and I can use the func command line tool and create a new project and then add triggers using the command line. We'll see that um, a little bit later in the talk. Okay. So, okay, that's all good. So what can go wrong? Uh, Assembly conflicts. Let me demonstrate what I mean by that. We'll go back to Visual Studio and I'll load up my project that I prepared earlier. So I've got another project here. It's written in uh, with .NET 3.1. It also has a trigger there. And we'll just have a... It's got a few other things different here. We've got a... Uh, another trigger here is a HTTP trigger, but this is just demonstrating we don't have to have a static class. We can just have a regular class, and we can use dependency injection um, to um, indicate what our dependencies are for this class. So in this case, I'm requesting a HTP client and a logger. Um, and there's my um, method that's going to be the... Um, Endpoint for the function, so the request is coming in and this is actually going to call out to um, a public uh, URL that already exists. It's actually one I wrote a few years ago and it um, grabs the current weather forecast from the bureau and then reformats that as a, a JSON format. I actually did that because I got this little um, handset at home, a phone, um, a VoIP phone. And it's got a tiny little screen, and so I wanted to format the weather forecast to fit on that screen. So, um, and uh, yeah, that still works to this day, even though I don't know that you can buy those handsets anymore. But um, I just figured out it could accept an RSS feed, so if I formatted the, the text in that way, it would work. Uh, so this is coming back as JSON, and then I'm uh, deserializing that using the JSON.NET um, serializer code. And I'm grabbing out the, the title that comes back from that weather. So I can run this locally and that should work and it should return the name Adelaide when I run that function. So I'll just wait for that to spin up. Copy that URL. So one thing to be aware of is that even if I've set these functions to be authenticated, when I'm running them locally, it it just ignores that. Um, And so there we go. The weather title is Adelaide, which is what I would expect. I probably should have actually included the forecast, but then knowing the weather outside, you might not have come. So I'll just stick with the title. Okay. Uh, So that worked, um, but I'll stop that. If I go back to my project file, I've added a reference here to Newtonsoft.json version 1301. If I actually use some code in this function, and I've got it commented out at the moment, I'll uncomment that. And I happen to know that this code is using a feature of uh, json.NET thir- version 13. Um, this is going to compile and it's going to but we'll see what happens when we actually exercise this function now. So it, it compiled it, we're running the function We'll go and call that endpoint, so I just press F5. And no response. What happened? If I go back to my console, there's a whole bit of red down there. Uh, and it said uh, couldn't find NewtonSoft version 12. But hang on, I said I want version 13. Uh, what's going on there? Well, if you remember back to that slide earlier where I showed you the, the host process and it's running that code inside the same process, the problem is the host is already got its own requirement to use json.net version 12. So it's already loaded that assembly. So even though we've said I want a different version, I can't because you can't have two different versions of an assembly loaded in the same process in .NET Core. Um, so I've got a problem there. Um, so this, the current model won't let me do that. So if I'm trying to bring in a, a, a new version of something that the um, Azure Function host has already got in memory, I'm out of luck. Um, There's no way around that. Um, So that's been a current limitation of the the current process. So bring on .NET 5. Um, So in .NET 5, they they made an architectural change where they've separated out the Azure Function host from the Azure Function worker process. And so now our code is running over here on the right as a separate executable in its own process. And so now we've got the freedom to load in um, whatever assemblies we need and they're not going to conflict with any that the host needs. So that's, that's one nice advantage. Um, and we'll, we'll see some more differences as well as we go in. So let's have a look at creating a .NET 5 Azure function. How do we do that? Well, uh, let's go to the portal. And in fact, I've got that. there, yeah, so we'll just go back. Okay, and we'll try and create a 5.1, and it's not there. So we can't use a portal. Uh, for, it's just not supported. It's kind of annoying. Uh, so don't do that. But if we go to uh, Visual Studio and go File, I'll stop that, it's still running. File, new project, and I want to create an Azure Function, and and yes, we do have .NET 5 here. You will notice that that little list changed slightly. So there's some of the other options here, some of the other triggers aren't supported in .NET 5. Um, So that's something to be aware of, that there's not all the the features are fully supported. Um, But we we could go ahead and create it through Visual Studio. Um, We could also use the command line tooling to create a .NET 5 function. So I've done that already. So we'll just cancel out of that and load my project again. And we'll have a look at some of the differences between the 3.1 and the 5.0 project. So uh, just before we move on to the 5, just some other things in the 3.1 project. I also had a, um, a service bus queue trigger, so listening to an Azure service bus. Um, and so that's that that function there it's it's uh, got a message type here we've got an i logger there as well and uh, we're also we've implemented a startup function so we had that other trigger the injector trigger and so it required the HTTP client so I've got a startup class here that inherits from function startup and then I'm registering that I'm also in a the uh, container for dependency injection that Um, I need to supply the HTTP client. So I've added that as a dependency. Uh, If we jump over .NET 5, first of all our trigger is a little bit different. So um, just to refresh your memory, the trigger in .NET 3.1, it returned an iAction result and we're passing in a HTTP request type. In .NET 5, a HTTP trigger returns http response data and it accepts the http request data so the signatures have changed between those two versions so don't just merely just upgrade your .NET three azure function to five and think everything's just going to compile um, particularly if you've got http triggers uh, you're going to have to make some changes there in the way they behave um, and we also get this function context passed in as well, uh, which we didn't have in 3.1. So here I've got my, my deserialization, um, and I'm sending my response back out. Um, we've also got our service bus trigger here. And again, there's a slight change. Um, this, you could do this same kind of syntax in 3.1. You could just say, yeah, I'm expecting a string. But if I wanted to use that message type, uh it's not there and if i even do a control dot it says i don't know what that type is instead the the type has changed and they, if you need to use that sort of approach then use service bus receive message and that's in a different type space um namespace as well so uh if we jump back to the older version which was that one then that message was under the microsoft.azure.servicebus namespace and now we're in the azure.messaging.servicebus so it's things have changed around there but uh, yeah so there's some changes there so if you're using those kind of triggers uh, watch out for that the other thing that's changed is in .NET 5 rather than having that startup class that inherits we've got a a proper program class with a main method. So if you've done any work on .NET Core uh, web applications, so ASP.NET, uh, you'll be familiar with this kind of approach. That we're now we're generating an EXE. Essentially, it's not just a class library. We're, we're spinning up our host builder. We can do all our registrations here in this class. So this is a little bit more familiar sort of approach, um, rather than having some special class we need to inherit from a base class. Um, so if we wanted to add in our HTTP client we would do that here if we wanted to customize our logging or introduce other middleware we could do that here and this should always work so I will set that as my startup project press F5 trying to think I've actually done this before Uh, the first time you run a function you might see this kind of prompt just because it's going to be listening on a port and oh. okay so that's running oops now this is I can't actually run this in the browser easily because it's only accepting a post um, but I can do that from the command line. And okay, this is where I wasn't quite prepared. Uh, let's have a go. What could go wrong? Uh, so here we go. Uh, invoke REST method, and that's the URL. I want the method. Let's bring this up a bit higher. Uh, to be a post. And. Try that. Ah, it does want that name. Okay. Now you can see we can debug our functions in Visual Studio too. Uh, All right, so we'll provide our body, and that needs to be JSON. So i will do. That. That'll work. Actually, it w- uh, oh. Is it running? Uh, what did I miss? Double quote after it. No, that worked. It returned. Right, anyway. It returned. So, uh, there is a double quote. It's just uh, the, the line on the screen. Sorry, I'll move it away. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, the crease is hiding. Yeah, so yeah, that worked. I got um, my response back sort of down the bottom there. Okay, that worked nicely. Okay. Let's stop that one. Uh, Yeah, I forgot to mention too that because we're using .NET 5, we can, of course, use our C Sharp 9 uh, language features as well um, if we needed to. I didn't really need to in that example. Uh, Some other things to watch out for, I've mentioned the change of signatures for the service bus triggers, Uh, durable functions. It's not something I've actually had any experience with, but um, if you've got uh, the requirement to orchestrate a whole lot of stuff going on and and need to manage state between your functions, then that's when durable functions uh, come in. They're supported with .NET 3.1, they're not supported in .NET 5. So if you're using them at the moment, leave them on .NET 3.1. We'll we'll talk a bit more about it very soon as to where they can go next. Um, And we've seen limited support in Azure portal. Um, It's probably also worth showing, if I jump back to the portal, Uh, I've got an existing .NET 5 function here that's been deployed to Azure. So in .NET 3.1, I can go into the functions and see what functions are provided by this application. If I go to the trigger, and I go to code and test, it should have a sound effect that goes when it loads. Um, We can't look at this function because it's .NET 5, so editing .NET 5 functions is not supported in the portal, so just do it locally. Um, If it was a 3.1, I could actually go in and I could test that function interactively in the portal. Um, but I don't get to do that with .NET 5. Okay, so uh, that's .NET 5. Um, there's some things we can do we couldn't do before, but there's also some limitations. .NET 6 is coming out in November this year, um, and it I guess it builds on what .NET 5 can do already. Um, it is a preview. It's not supported, uh, so if you play with it, then you're on your own, but obviously if you find a, a problem, then go ahead and report that and let them know and maybe they can fix it by the time they launch. Um, You do need to install a version four preview of the core tools. And so um, I've, in order not to mess up my machine, I actually used the subsystem for Linux and installed all the tools on there for the the .NET 6 preview stuff. And again, because I've only switched laptops this afternoon, I hope this should work, um, but we'll find out. Interestingly, we can, we can run in process or isolated. So .NET 3.1 was in process, .NET 5.0 was isolated, .NET 6.0 is going to offer both options. And it, because of that, it will support durable functions as well. So that's all sounding pretty encouraging. If you want to have a play around with it, then that link will take you to the wiki page, which guides you through all the manual steps you need to do to get all the bits in, installed to work with this. Um, it's a little bit, well, it's not too hard if you can follow the instructions, but um, it's not as simple as, as file new project at the moment. Um, and here's just a bit of a, a visual of, of where things are heading. So we're sort of here right now and we've got .NET 5, um, .NET 6 coming out later this year and the durable functions is the sort of the double circle thing there. And if I'm reading this diagram correctly, this is a Microsoft diagram, I didn't create it, It sort of looks like things tend to converge eventually with .NET 7, .NET 8. So um, it sounds like things will sort of all come together um, next year the year after. So assuming that they continue this yearly cadence of .NET releases, um, I guess expect assume that .NET 7 will come out November 22 and .NET 8 23. But I mean that's years away. So who knows? Anything could change by then. Um, But also, note .NET 6, LTS, long-term support. So .NET 5, not long-term support. So um, that's all something something to be to bear in mind. So they're also adopting this uh, two-year sort of uh, long-term support, not long-term support. So .NET 5 has got some new features, but it's not going to be supported long-term, uh, whereas come November we'll have .NET 6. That so will be long-term support. Uh, that's probably a better one to... Um, jump on board if you're going to make the move. Um, or if you're on .NET 5, you probably want to shift over to .NET 6 pretty quickly. Okay, uh, All right, before I go too further, I will show you the .NET 6 projects that I've got. Okay, so I've got .NET 6. I've got two projects. got the in-process and out-of-process. Let's have a quick look at those. And so here's my trigger, we have a look at this, and we look at the code, and actually that looks really similar to the.NET .NET 3.1 trigger. We've got the I action result as our return type HTTP request coming in. So this is the uh, in-process version. So that, that looks like, actually, if this is the way it's going to be, probably you could upgrade your .NET 3.1 to .NET 6 in-process with little drama. And just to show that it is.NET .NET 6, uh, I've got some C Sharp 10 feature usage here. In the, I'm not actually using this code, but it is compiling. So I've got uh, uh, constant interpolated strings, and I've also got a record struct. So just to prove that it is actually .NET 6 and it's C 10 in this project. Um, and the service bus trigger also looks really similar to the 3.1, whereas the out of process, we look at that one, our trigger, We've got HTTP response data, HTTP request data, this is all sounding pretty similar uh, to .NET 5, and likewise, uh, we could do the same thing with our, our message received type, whatever it was. Um, so both of those are supported. Now to run those, I'm gonna jump over to my console because you do need to have that version 4 preview of the core tools installed. And will jump back into to WSL. So I'll run the in-process one first and I've got the um, the core tool. So I've got this func uh, command line tool installed. So I'll just show that is version 4. So that's a preview version. And if I go func start. It's essentially what Visual Studio is doing when I press F5. Uh, So it's just doing a build and then it's launching that function. And because I'm in terminal, I can actually right-click on that URL, go back to my browser, and there's my Azure function .NET 6 in process. So that's working. That's good. Stop that one. And I'll do the same for the outer process as well. Start that one up. And it's running it's the same url so i just press f5 in my browser and now we've got out of process is running as well so in my case a very simple example so it worked i was pretty happy with that i'll just stop that okay so we've got our.net 5 or.net 6 preview function running we might even have a.net 3.1 function um, and we want to add some Open API support to that Azure function. So, first of all, what is OpenAPI? Um, well, if you've heard of Swagger, this is sort of like the, the standardised name for Swagger. So it's providing a definition of our, our REST endpoint that we can then use to, to, A, document what it's doing as far as what inputs it expects and what output it provides. But also we can use that uh, to generate a, a client proxy that's going to talk to that endpoint as well so we can make sure we're passing in the right times. So if you've got an existing uh, Azure function, we can add a package called uh, Microsoft.Azure.WebJobs.Extensions.OpenAPI. Um, it's easier to type than to say. Um, and then add in some attributes uh, and that'll start to expose that as a uh, generate the swagger document for us. Um, or if we're starting from scratch, and you might have even noticed this when we are in Visual Studio, there is the option to generate a HTTP trigger with OpenAPI support um, and it will add all those things for you uh, just with some placeholder text. But let's let's have a look at what's involved in doing that. So I'll jump back to my Visual Studio instance and I'm actually going to switch branches. Ah. Let's hope this works. So I've got a separate branch with this on it already. Now, um, this the package, um, the OpenAPI extension package, is actively being worked on. It's actually still in preview. So if you do install it, you'll need to tick the box and say, yeah, I want to install a preview version. Um, and the current version that's out there at the moment, I think it's 0.7.1, doesn't support .NET 5 projects, but they're working on that even as we speak. So that the current code that's in the repo for that package does support .NET 5, so i pulled that down, built a local copy, and I'm gonna demo that now because I think that that's probably gonna get released pretty soon. So I think it's worth showing you that because a few of the names of the attributes have changed and the way things work. So bear that in mind. So I'm gonna jump back to my .NET 5 project and we're gonna have a look at our trigger and we'll see, we've got uh, a few more attributes here than what we did last time. i will give you just you a chance to figure out stuff. Oh, <laughs> and I built that um, on that laptop. Okay, I ah, can... oh, that's, that's annoying. Okay, so I've, I've now discovered one thing that is not gonna work. Uh, I'll talk about, this is why we have got the red squiggles, because it's trying to load stuff that's not on this laptop. Um, Maybe after the talk I'll figure out a way to copy them across and we'll we'll demonstrate that. Um, So essentially we've got um, API operation attribute uh, which allows us to define the the operation ID for the function, which is like an open ID terminology, uh, a tag. Then we can provide a summary and a description. uh, So that's an opportunity for you to document uh, what this Azure function is doing. We can then say, okay, uh, for the request, Uh, If it's a post kind of function, then we're going to have a body that's going to be passed in. In this case, we're expecting a JSON type and it's going to be mapping to this particular uh, class that I've defined here, infoRequest. If I drill into that and have a look at that type, we'll see some more attributes. Uh, Inside the class, I've got for each property, name, age, and nullable string. I've got OpenAPI property attributes and adding descriptions for each of those. I'm also indicating for some of these whether they're nullable fields or not, and you might think, well, hang on, we've got the ability to do that in code already. Um, Like we've got, um, we can put the question mark on a string um, to say it's nullable or not. Um, Why can't it figure that out? Uh, That's really because of backwards compatibility. They want this still to work with the older .NET um, 3.1 pre-nullable reference times. So um, instead. We, we set that through an attribute property here. Uh, we can also use data annotations, so the max length and range uh, we can indicate, and that's gonna be propagated through to the Swagger document as well. We've also got this other attribute up here called open API example, and that's referring to another class. We have a look at that. And this is a way of providing sample data in your Swagger document. So we're actually, um, The interesting thing here, we're just newing up an instance of that class and setting some example values for that class. And so then that's going to be displayed in the UI when we spin up this. Um, And I don't think I can. Um, ah, That's really messed up my talk. (laughs) Uh, If we go back uh, to the trigger. Um, yeah, so we've got our, we've done our requests and now we can also indicate what responses we should be able to expect from this function. Um, so hopefully most of the time we're going to get a 200 OK uh, and then we're going to get some, in this case, this function is going to return some, some text, so it's text slash plain. Um, or we might have some error conditions or, or other response codes that we might want to document. In this case, I've said, well, yeah, sometimes we might return a 400 because you forgot to pass in the body, which is what I did when I did that demo earlier. Um, So 400 is an expected value to come back from this function. And with all that in place, we should be able to then um, run this and see the the swagger. So what I will do uh, as a workaround is I will go file new project function. And yep. and we're going to choose with OpenAPI and hit create. Okay, this should pull down. It's waiting for Visual Studio to respond. There we go. Yep, okay. So that's pulled down the, the public current release version of that package. That should all build. So I should be able to press F5. That'll run that function. And we should see some extra endpoints listed here. So so as well as our our function, we've also got some other endpoints here. So I'll select the Swagger UI endpoint. Copy that, jump over to my browser. That's not my browser. And paste it in. And we should see our, if you've used Swagger before, OpenAPI, This should look pretty familiar. So we've got our um, UI here. We can expand that endpoint. We've got our name and our description. And this is where, if we had some example data, that would appear here um, as well. So the the example that they provided is pretty simple. Um, Okay, here is where it gets interesting because I want to show you. Um, You'll notice that... We're currently generating, um, I don't even think it's a version at the moment. Um, So there's our Swagger document, It's just sort of a JSON document there. Um, You could read that if you want to, but it's something normally you would pass through to to some kind of tool to deal with. Okay, Uh, now we're going to do something that I hadn't planned to do. Which is, um, so what I want to do is customize some of that metadata and I want to actually change it so that it's generating a version 3 of the OpenAPI document. So to do that, I'm going to add a class. And it doesn't really matter what it's called, um, but I will grab a copy of it out of, yes, I trust. That's what we were talking about earlier in Visual Studio Code Um, and this is what I want. So my normal demo would have just uncommented that but uh, that's not going to work so uh, let's add that class and paste that and uncomment that. Picks up some namespaces and okay. Let me just check. Um, okay, looks like they've changed some implementations here. Um, let me grab that. I gonna clear these ones out? I know this is very exciting to watch, but um, bear with me and uh, let's see what that does. okay. I'm not gonna persist for this too long. Um, Uh, if you're interested in that demo, come and have a look at the other laptop where it does work. Um, sorry about that. Okay. Uh, what I should be able to do essentially is customise the extra metadata that's um, showing there in the SWACA document um, and you'll see that represented in here. Uh, the other thing you, you would be able to see is um, the, the nullability being represented in the Swagger document there as well um, if we'd set that up properly. Okay. All right, so uh, quickly summarizing that, um, using those attributes against our function and and also any types that our function is using, sort of expecting to come into that function or going out, uh, we can then generate that Swagger document through the OpenAPI package. All right, so we've got our function running. We've got our OpenAPI. How can we deploy this? Well, we could right-click deploy in Visual Studio, Um, And you might do that once and indeed that's one way to get your .NET 5 Azure function uh, configured properly. You can go into Visual Studio and deploy it from in there and it'll set up the Azure function um, correctly for running .NET 5. Uh, You might also want to use Azure Pipelines. And so I'll quickly show that. And so... um, so our Azure pipeline we're using YAML for that uh, and we've basically got two stages in our build. We've got um, our build stage where we're pulling in the three SDKs. In our case we've got the 3.1, 5 and 6 preview because I'm going to build all those different um, Azure functions that are using those different uh, SDKs. And just to note, if you're building a .NET 5 Azure function, you still need the 3.1 SDK installed as well. I then do a build and I'm gonna use the, the .NET publish command and I'm just zipping up um, the publish directory and that's a build artifact. And then my deploy stage, um, it grabs those artifacts from the previous stage and then pushes those through um, the Azure Function app task. And I've already set up an Azure service connection um, in my pipeline so that I can then just pass that through here. That was what the good was up the top there. Um, And so then it's got permission to talk to my Azure subscription and the resources in there. And this example, I'm just deploying the .NET 3.1 and .NET 5 functions. And that'll push those out. So uh, I'm not gonna run that right now because it takes a few minutes and it wouldn't be very exciting to watch. Um, But I will jump into my Azure devops subscription so here is a deploy i did on monday we've got our two stages we've got our build stage which generated the two artifacts and then our deploy stage and we can see it does take a a few seconds to push each function up Um, and that all worked which is good Um, for the same repository we have also got github actions set up so this um, pipeline I've set not to trigger automatically because I always have two things trying to deploy Azure Functions at the same time. That's probably not a recipe for success. So, um, In my case, I've let the, Azure, the GitHub Actions be um, what's going to get deployed. Uh, so we'll have a look at the action. It looks kind of similar. Um, if you've never seen GitHub Actions before, you'll think, gee, that looks a bit like the Azure Pipelines that you just showed me before. Um, you can certainly see they sort of come from a similar heritage. Um, So, And also just a plug for Aaron Powell, whose blog post is a good uh, step through this process for setting up GitHub Actions as well. Um, So again, we're pulling down the three uh, .NET SDKs, 3.1, 5 and 6 preview. Uh, We're then running .NET Publish. It's got some directory listing stuff there. Then I've got my... um, grabbing the the output of each of those published directories and so in this case I'm I'm for all four functions, the 3.1, 5, 6 in process and 6 isolated, out of process. And then we go down to um, our deploy. And uh, so then we're going to grab those um, artifacts from the previous stage and then we're deploying all those three, uh, four, sorry, functions up to Azure. Now, uh, important thing to note here, If you're writing an Azure um, GitHub Action uh, workflow and you want to use this functions action here, uh, the latest version is version 1.4. There's a bug in that release. Uh, You can still deploy, but it'll take about three minutes per function because there's something going on where it tries and fails, tries and fails, tries and fails, and then gives up. Um, That bug is not present in the previous version, 1.3.2, so um, just bear that in mind. Hopefully they fix it soon. It's been reported and lots of people are seeing it. So you'd like to think that someone's working on it. Um, but yeah, that, that can be the difference between a deploy of um, about 30 seconds versus a deploy of about two or three minutes per function, which can be a bit of a annoying. So that uh, we can jump over to our GitHub repo and... Jump in there and see the the last time that ran. And that was yesterday. So we had our two uh, jobs there, the build and deploy. And they all ran. So most of those are taking just sort of about 40, 50 seconds. Uh, For some reason this one took a little bit longer, I don't know why. Um, But yeah, they all got pushed out. Um, So just to demonstrate, That all those functions are actually running. Um, All of those have got an Azure Service Bus trigger in them. And so, what I want to do is, we'll first of all go back into Azure and that's okay. We'll go down to the Service Bus and drill into. um, So, Service Buses can have queues and topics, and topics are when you want uh, a message to be able to be sent to multiple subscribers. So I've set up a topic and my topic is called Of Conversation. So, um, which previously when I was just using a queue, my queue name was called Cumber. So, anyway, it amused me if no one else. And so I've got four subscribers and basically one subscription per Azure function down the bottom here. I don't know if you can all see that. and actually, that is kind of funny that the .NET 5.1 has still got a message there. That makes me think it's not happy. Um, okay, I'm going to go in and I've got a console application here, .NET run. And that's going to send a message to that um, service bus. Woo! Ah, actually, I, I can run this over here. Just pretend that worked and I'm going to do exactly the same thing I promise on this laptop. The reason it's not working is I haven't set up the um, the config file on that laptop. I could do that but I know it will work over here. Just waiting for it to get back to me. This laptop is recording stuff so it's kind of busy, there we go, alright, wow, this laptop is really under load at the moment, okay, so that is running, I think it's going to take a few seconds to... Do anything i'll tell you when i get a response so what i'm expecting is as soon as i hear back from that command being finished um, i'm going to refresh and i'm expecting to see some other messages appear here in the queue and then they should drop away okay message sent good so refresh and there we go so there's an extra message in each subscription and then assuming all those functions are working and I'm suspecting the.NET .NET 5.1 is not, the fact that there's one left over from when I tested this earlier. Uh, if I refresh again, then I should see those messages drop away over time. Now, I am sure that because it knows I'm doing a presentation in front of a large crowd, it's it's not gonna do it for me, but. Um, well, I have the call be to your function when it's um, doesn't not currently running in the function plane, sometimes 25 seconds. Yeah, so. Yeah, now Ryan raises a good point that um, if you've got requirements around the performance of your function, then some of those other plans might be better choices. Um, obviously, I'm a cheapskate, so I chose the cheapest one, and so that that doesn't mean that things can go to sleep, and they can also take a while to spin up again if if they have gone to sleep. Uh, one more time. Hey there we go um so my dot net three one trigger fired and and processed that message and so now there's no more messages for that one to do um one more time hey another one so that my outer process net six worked, maybe the and there we go I think that net five that's it. that's gone down to one, so that's that's most curious if there's a message still there, oh. Uh, no, I don't think so. We'll look at that later on. Anyway, um, just to prove that all those functions were deployed into Azure and they're all running. They're not doing anything exciting, but they're all running. That's the main thing. Okay, so wrapping up. Um, so we we saw a demo of um, being able to use .NET 5 and even .NET 6 in preview uh, for Azure functions. Uh, we saw being able to add OpenAPI to your function. And um, if you want to see a bit more of that, come down here and I'll I'll demonstrate that a bit more, um, adding in that metadata on the other laptop. And we also set up some CI-CD pipelines so that we can build and deploy our functions into uh, wherever they need to go, so Azure, obviously. Um, Further reading, I've I've got the link to my repo that I use for the demos for tonight's talk. There's also a readme there that I've linked to a whole lot of other resources there um, for further reading um, around the different um, packages that you'll need when you're dealing with um, Azure Functions. So uh, that's sort of the end of my talk. Is there any questions anyone's got around Azure Functions.net 5 or 6? Ryan. Um, I, as far as I know, .NET 5 functions. Well, yeah, I guess we haven't seen them support in the portal, um, and we're not seeing that the support of like the durable functions and those kind of things. So, so I don't know anything specific to answer the question of uh, is .NET 5 supported. Um, but well, my understanding is it, it is supported, in as much as um, .NET. It, it is available and it is running, um, but .NET 5 itself is not an LTS release of .NET. So um, I don't know, I mean, it's a good question. Like, do, will .NET 5 continue to be supported in Azure uh, in a year's time, like when, it, when .NET 5 is out of support? Um, there, there is, I can't remember what it is exactly, but there is, like, when .NET 6 is released, then I think that's the, the time starts ticking for when .NET 5 stops being supported. Um, it's usually pretty pretty quick, I think, too. Um, yeah, I guess there's certainly support avenues, whether that's an official Microsoft support ticket or it's through the GitHub repos where you can raise an issue there and try and get some help. Um, yeah, no, good, good question, yeah. Any other questions? No, that's cool. Well, thanks for your attention. Um, feel free to, to come down here. I'll, I'll stop the recording and see if I can demo the other um, Open API example on the other laptop. Um, help yourself to Subways. Uh, someone open that box of, of swag and help yourself to the um, O'Reilly swag in that box over there on the table. Um, thanks for checking in as well, and we'll see you all next month. Thank you.